Hello, welcome to the Moonlighters Club with your hosts Sean Beggard and Joel Edwards. This podcast highlights entrepreneurs who work full-time and spend their free time growing their businesses. My name is Joel Edwards. I'm a customer service rep full-time. And for my free time, I'm trying to build a mobile app that'll hopefully change the way people work out. Sean, what do you do? Right now, um, I am full-time comedian, um, actor, and uh, I was a police officer. So you were a police officer? Yeah. Okay. So what I'm saying is I'm not qualified to be here, but <laughs> I'm here. I, 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 still moonlighting. I'm still moonlighting. I'm still moonlighting. Yeah. All right. And we actually have a guest by the name of Jamerson Vinton. Jamerson, how's it going? It's going well, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, we're going to be talking about you, what you do for a living, and what all you right. do on the side for another living. All right. All right, cool. Uh, Sean, how is comedy going? What's what, We got some new updates. What, what's been going on with you lately? Um, yeah, things are going good, man. I did, uh, what was, we had a roast battle show, which was on, um, Thursday at Davis Square Theater. How'd that go? Show. That went all right, man. That's, that's cool. It's dope. It's like, they just took, you know, the elements of battle rap and comedy roasts and just put them together. You know what I mean? So you got comics that are really going at each other. Hopefully you get famous so we can get better equipment. Uh, well, I'm not going to be doing a show. <laughs> it's not going to stop by every once Yeah, you got to take me out that slack group, all that shit. <laughs> Sean, what do you think about Saturday? <laughs> Numbers change. Uh, uh, and as you may or may not know, last, last time we did this, it was just Joel and Sean talking about Joel and Sean. But this time we have a guest. As I just said, Jamerson Vincent. Jamerson, what do you what do you do full time? Full time, man. Uh, senior IT help desk um, for a content marketing company. Um, been there for almost two years now. Love it. Okay. Treat your brother good. Okay. Good money. Okay. You know. Okay. We work at the same place. Yeah. Okay. Unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what? Do you, what is your moonlighting venture and our ventures plural? What do you do when you're not at work? A uh, couple things. So uh, I DJ. I have two drafts or two different areas I travel in the DJ world. One is myself as a DJ producer. I'm playing shows at bars, clubs, law, you know, colleges, whatever it is. Wherever they can book me, I can maybe make some money and get my name out. As well, I do a tour with two of my MCs, part of a group called Europe Nation. Uh, which is really group really cool because it brings me in two different lanes, which I wouldn't be able to do by myself as a single DJ. On top of that, uh, clothing design, clothing company is called Yo Soy. Rocking that right now, that way y'all can see it. Um, as well as uh, I do branding as well. Okay. Next level lifestyle. So it's three, three things all in one. So you're like Diddy, except you have talent? I I can yeah exactly exactly it's not just money don't see, you know Diddy got talent he's man. got Diddy's a beast nah, what, take that Diddy's take that <laughs> what would you say his talent because I'm sure he's got some talent where do you think he has the most talent well he ha- he definitely has an eye for it like he was he's just a super A and R he's a great A and R really a really a real great A and R man just got the eye and the ear for talent eye and the ear for good production knows how to put teams together. You know what I mean? Because like when you, even when you hear him break down the ideas behind Biggie and all that stuff, you know what I mean? You could you could just see the brilliance there. So no dissing Diddy, man. Okay, I'll give you that. He he did find Biggie, but he also found Craig Mack. So I mean, we can go. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> the saying he had the one. 
You and know, then the second song, but I'm just they were duds. A lot of a lot of people don't know this, but Diddy won that award for like the best fashion designer. It's like the Oscars for fashion designers. I heard about that. He won it, bro. That's crazy. Like the shit Kanye's going crazy over, Diddy's already doing. Yeah. That's with a good billion point. dollar clothing line. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, that's a so, good point. So all right, Jameson, you're not a lot of well, we're residents of Boston slash Cambridge. Yeah. Um, you actually, you're from Cambridge. Born and raised. Okay. Uh, how did you decide I want a DJ? Honestly, as a kid growing up, I had a crazy music collection. My mom had, you know, she still has them actually, tons of vinyls. So I'm listening to like Michael Jackson, you know, Grover Washington. And I started collecting it, you know. I was at the age of, you know, Napster and all those things. Right. Like music. And I remember going to school and being the first dude with a MP3 player. Nobody knew what it was. Everybody was walking around with like the Sony Discman with the anti-shock. You remember those? Yep, yep. And they're like, what's this thing? And I'm like, yo, believe it or not, I can put songs on it. At the time, it was like six songs. But yep. then it was like, yo, those six songs was popping. Like, yeah. I, every, Everybody was like, how do you, you know, I'm like, this is how you do it. And before I knew, I went to college and I had a, a nice music library. I used to have a few people over in the room just chilling, you know, on the weekend. Before I knew, I think someone said to me, they're like, hey, you should think about DJing. And I was like, you know, I thought about it, but I don't really know if it's me. But being like a broke college kid, I was like, this ain't a bad side hustle right now. Um, and I just kind of took it from there, and it, it brought me to where I'm at now. You know, that was really it. It was just, it started in the dorm room. I was wow. under the covers for like the first two years. I didn't really tell me people I was doing it. I was just practicing, practicing, practicing. Before I know it, I'm on the big stage with, you know, thousands of people there. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about some grades. Yeah. Pre-DJ. Oh, pre. Host DJ. Oh, man. Pre-DJ. Yeah. What, what, pre- what was the GPA like? Pre-DJ, I was in the threes, man. I would say <laughs> post-DJ. So, you know, you got to think about it. You're a full-time student with a 20-hour work study and DJing Friday, Saturday nights. I had a time where I was on academic probation for like one semester. They were like, hey, you need to get it together. And, you know, and I was just sitting there like, damn, hopefully they don't tell my parents about this. I want to hear this one. Um, but then actually, believe it or not, after like that, that first year I got into the scene, I really figured out my schedule. I was just like, my phone's off on Sundays. No one can bother me. I just need to grind because I need to get out of here, you know. And once I got that balance, it was all magic. When did you tell your parents? And it's not like you were doing drugs or anything, but you have no, Haitian no. parents. So, like, oh, yeah. Haitian, I feel like Haitian, Nigerian, and Jamaican parents, they don't understand. Even black parents, oh, yeah. entrepreneurship is not real to them. They're not, they're not hearing that. No. So when you said DJ, did your father slap the shit out of you? No. So the funny part was this, right? <laughs> you remember, picture being, you know, being a broke college kid, and, like, at the time, all I was looking at was Craigslist for equipment. So I remember having like these old school like wooden house speakers that I had, and you know it would be summertime. I'm storing them on like my second floor of my apartment, like outside, hoping that no one will steal it. And my mom's like, "What? Is, what is this? What is this?" I'm like, "My, just just rock with me for a little bit. It's all gonna make sense later." And then I started swapping out my equipment here and there, here and there. And then she's like, sort of seeing it, not really grasping it. And then I'm telling her the shows I'm doing, and I think it hit her when she had one of her friends that was going to a show I was at. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually the show I'm DJing. And she's like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on a new wave, Ma. You got to get with it, you know? Trust me on this. <laughs> okay, you know? okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when it really struck home for her, you know? Love it. So then the whole time, was it still like, this is all good, but you're going to get that degree. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, the pressure okay. was on. She, she she, wanted to make sure I had that piece of paper. If I wasn't coming home with that, it would have all been for nothing. She would have been like, you could be at McDonald's right now. She wouldn't care. She, you know, 
It's all about kids. She would. She would. Tell her the money invested. She kids. She definitely would care. It, it was one of those things where it was just kind of like, hey, I hope you know what you're doing because this is costly. And I mean, most of the loans are in my name anyway. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take this risk because I love it. That's and it's my stress relief. So okay, it worked. I'm, Shoot. I'm every time I went home with bad grades in any level of school, especially college, I'm like, at least I ain't on these streets, mama. Yeah, 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 for real, for real. She's like, I don't care about that. Get your shit together. Right, right. Just get a job. <laughs> don't go to jail. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's like that's like making it for us. <laughs> just just being alive. That's interesting because Sean, with you being comedy too did you face the same stuff because like when you tell someone you're going to entertainment the reception is it, it's it's like mm, like everyone's doing that but and parents always think it's interesting as well because i told my mother i want to do comedy and i never tried to do comedy ever she's like that's a pipe dream throw that notebook away and i was like yeah you're right <laughs> i was I, I was like early because of what tw- early 20s 23 24 and i was actually trying to like figure it out and i was like is it stand-up I knew it was, I wanted to be a specific realm. I wasn't sure. I had the balls to get on the stage. And when I would try to write stuff down, I'm like, man, this isn't, this, I, I can't, I can't do this. So when I would try to tell her, she's like, yeah, don't, no, you're not going to do that. Like, yeah. yeah. So when you tell him that, like, how, what's that like? Is it comparable to Jamerson? Are people like, yo, just make sure you work at the same time? Nah, man, it was, it was, I had a lot of independence early on. Um, <clears throat> originally, I'm from the South, so it's like, you know, um, we get way more responsibility early, you know. Um, yeah, y'all do. Down there, it's like 14, 15, you know how to do everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you could you could run the farm, drive the car, and get your sister. <laughs> yeah. you can do, like, so it's, it's just different. Like, um, yeah, he's just real hands off. I think it's interesting because I always feel people from the south <clears throat> and people from the islands, uh, they, sometimes Africans, but people like they have that strong sense of ownership. Uh, they have a really strong sense of, yeah, we're going to work, we're going to attain money. And I feel like black people have to go back to this, black Americans. Yeah. But they have a really strong sense of mm-hmm. get, get money, mm-hmm. but there's got to be a house somewhere down the road, and there's got to be something of your own. Jim, do you have that a lot in your family? Oh, that- yeah, man. So I come from a really, I guess you could say, strict family. I mean, two of my uncles were in the military. My grandfather was a Cambridge police officer. So we had a lot of structure going on. So you throw that in there with my, my Haitian pop dukes, it was just kind of like, you better have a direction in life. Like, what's your purpose? Are you just going to sit here and be on the streets, or are you going to have a family, a house, and try to do better than the person that came before you? So I was pretty much the hustle growing up. I mean, I remember being in high school, like, right when I turned 14, having a job. Like, I'd go to high school, go to work, come home, do homework, and do it all over again with sports, too. It was crazy. I needed it, but it helped me be where I am now. Okay, that's what's up. Now let's let's talk about fun stuff. Oh yeah, I definitely want you to chime in on this, Sean. Is it possible for, to be in a happy relationship? I know being older, it's easier, but in your twenties or thirties, is it possible for you to do that and have be a DJ, be a stand-up comedian, and have that girl and not cheat? Definitely. <laughs> it's not hard at all. Easy as hell. When you, when you love somebody. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. When you truly love somebody, you're gonna wanna work your hardest to to you know, to keep them happy and stay right. committed. So you're not why would you ever sleep with 
a bunch of chicks that run up to you after a show and offer to sleep with you that night. Why would you do that? Let's be honest. Like <laughs> Let's try Why to would, be honest. Who Let's would do try. that? What, what do you think the hardest thing? Because I think, honestly, sure, you have a guy, like you play in some kind of league or you're some kind of entertainment, right? You have a ton of chicks that come at you. I don't think it's just that. Like, I kind of have this sense that you guys do these very polarizing things. You get all this validation. You can you go from little to big. I feel like it's hard to keep a relationship fresh. Like, it's good to come home to get, like, does that feel stale? You know what I mean? Like, you have all these different things going around as a DJ, right? You have all these different people you meet, all this work going on. Does that ever feel like, this is it? You know what I mean? When you're in a relationship or, like, even at that point in your life, when you're in college or something like that, did it just seem kind of boring coming home from doing a bunch of stuff? And then you're like, well, here you are. Here I am. I mean, for me, personally, I kind of got lucky in a sense, because, the you know, my girl, she's the opposite of me. She met me when I was doing the music thing at its, at its prime time. And so she kind of understood, like, you know, there's going to be people that are going to try to talk to me and this, that, and the third. But it was more so about trust. And it was nice be not having a person that was always going out and trying to go to clubs and bars because opposites attract. So me performing is different than me partying. And her being more laid back, chill person kind of balanced out my lifestyle, which sometimes is wild. And you need someone to kind of wheel you back in and kind of humble you a little bit, you know, which is which is a blessing. It's, it's nice, though, because at the same time, she knows that when you're a performer in any stage, whether, you know, you're a comedian or a DJ, everything's got to be on point. So if I go out the house and I'm not looking right, she'll be like, nah, come here for a second. Let me fix that in the third. Let me make sure you look proper. And I, I appreciate it. It's better than having a girl that's like, Jealous, like, oh, these women gonna be coming after you, and then you're kind of like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? You feel good when you you're going out and you're seeing all these people because they're gonna be drunk. There's gonna be people coming at you. You kind of have to know when to take the back road and just push back a little bit. You know, it's it's a good point. You said keep grounded. Was there at what point? There has to be this point. I feel for everyone. Like I feel like we're all humble to a certain extent. When were you feeling yourself the most? When were you like, yo, I'm the DJ, can't nobody tell me shit? Uh, and I know both of you have had these moments. I know you both have, you've had a good set, and you walked off that stage like you were walking on water. Like, at what point, what is it for you? Was it early? I would say for me, it was definitely my last two years in college. So I stayed for five years. So year four, year five, I pretty much, I wouldn't say I owned the campus, but... <laughs> I, it was crazy, you know, as a college student, I would I hosted my own parties on top of it. So that's how I made my whole branding portion of what I do now. So I would host my own parties on a Friday, okay. and then I would do a school party on a Saturday normally. So I'd be in college, broke as all hell. Remember my freshman and sophomore year, then after hosting, DJing, doing security, getting my boys to do security for my events, I was taking home like $2,000 on a Friday night Damn. and then making another 500 on Saturday. Shit. And I'm getting all the colleges. So my senior year, I'm traveling from Amherst to come to Northeastern to do, like, do shows now. Because it's all about friends. Like, hey, we got this guy in Amherst. He's good. And my friend's like, hey, can you come to my college and perform? Before I knew it, my you know senior, super senior year, I'm on campus, then traveling to the other side of Massachusetts to perform and come back. And I'm like, whoa. So that's why when I graduated and I'm working my 9 to 5, I'm sitting here and I like see the paycheck coming after two weeks. And I'm like... Damn, man, I miss college, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I was missing. I was like, yeah, I, I might. Grad school's looking kind of good right now. I don't know, but I definitely, definitely, that was the point in life. Because I was, 
I had all the hottest parties. And, you know, the thing is about that, there's kind of a little bit of a devil inside of it, too, because when you get so much attention, there's always people that don't want you to have it. And so I kind of try to keep humble a little bit, too, and not try to show off or be cocky. It's more so for me, it's about the music. So you don't really have to see me, per se. You just need to listen. You know, and that's kind of the vibe I wanted to give off. But that was the year. Those were the two years where, like, no one could tell me nothing. Yeah. You know, you got to beat me to prove it. And okay. no one was doing it. So, Sean, I want to hear your I'm unstoppable moment. Um, with In terms of career-wise, I, I haven't reached that yet. Um, but it, it's like a show-by-show show basis, man. Ah, okay. Like, you, you know, you've been to some of my shows. So, you know, it's like it could be a small, you know, Cambridge type crowd right. or uh, Harvard Square, you know that that type crowd, or it could be something like Laugh Boston, where it's just like a, a bunch of people, and then, then after the show, you know, I could be talking to a whole bunch of different people. So I mean, I want to say, hmm, I don't know, man. Like for me, oh, all right, for me, it's not. I think it's more so how random the stories are, how crazy the stories are from whatever city I was in doing comedy. Okay, that's like a, it's the it's the stories. So I haven't, so I have no, I have nothing, I haven't felt like I was on top of the world at all. But I might have had a great night at in Spokane, Washington, or something. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. right. You know what I mean. And it's interesting though, even like you both felt things that everyone wants to feel. Like everyone's like said, pick the right song at a party, right? Or said something funny in front of a bunch of people, and you get that little bit of euphoric feeling. I've never been around like 60 people and have them look at me at the same time for any, well, unless it was like a competition or a pitch competition mm-hmm. of that nature. And yeah, maybe I'll crack something that's slightly funny. But I've never had that euphoric feeling of everyone getting that validation from like me. And I think that's kind of crazy, like for you guys. You experience that more than you know, more than you just once. Want the, perf- the performance yeah, aspect, well, like yeah, that, that live performance, exactly. Yeah, yeah. stimulating that many. people. Yeah, because I was about to say, man, you you definitely um you won that contest. So it's, it's interesting though. Like it's there's something about what you guys do for a living. Though it's like it's a competition, right? And you're like, yeah, we won. And you, you're more so thinking about what it can do for your business. And 99.9% of the time, you're just trying to get some money. You're just like, look, I need the $1 or $10,000. So I don't care who's clapping. I don't care if everyone boos when I walk up and collect this money. I need some money. <laughs> That's it. But that feeling, you guys, like, it makes men get envious. Don't even get me wrong. Like, I've even been there. I've been, that, I've been in the shows. Uh, I've been in the Sean shows. And seeing girls like, oh, my God, he's so funny. And I want to go, he's not that funny. <laughs> I just saw Kevin Hart. Like, he's, he's okay. But yeah, that feeling of people like, well, like, yo, that dude, because they remember, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to remember that. People fight for that all the time, man. It's just crazy that you guys had an opportunity to experience that more than, shit, like twice a week. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so. It's more ups and downs with what I do, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's, it's just, you know how it is. It's like. Um, with with stand up, the crowds change every night, and, yeah. and you know you might have a whole room of people that's not really feeling you, or you might be in you know a region where it's just you know you don't relate to the people in that region or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so yeah, it's interesting, you, Jameson. We're talking about how good it got. How long did it take you to get that foothold? It took me a little bit. In the DJ world, you kind of have to own your stripes. Um, so 
you got work for it. I mean, I, I remember starting off being a college guy, and the minute you got out of the college market, it's nightclub time. So anyone that's watched you growing up or heard about you, they want to know, all right, once you graduate, can you take the club seat on? Can you tackle the bars and all that? Um, and I remember doing it, and I did, and I was like, whew, all right, it's stripe number one. I got that one now. And working with promoters was a different thing to me at the time because I was so used to hosting my own parties and doing contracts with other colleges. So you're working with promoters and things have got to be very kind of uh, cut and dry because money's involved. So when you're in college, it's about the music, the passion. Yeah, you're making money at the same time you're with your friends and partying, but when it's nighttime, you're talking celebrities coming in, you're talking promoters who have a certain agenda who's actually transforming your character, right? Because now you're taking your craft and you're performing it for someone else who wants to see it a certain way to make their yeah. vision come to light. Yeah. So they might say to you, hey, we want you to play, you know, genre A, B, and C, do not play X, Y, and Z. Um, even though the patrons might want to hear that, your job is only being a contractor for that night to play A, B, and C, which kind of takes your value down a little bit because for me, I just look at the room and the people and I say, I just want to rock out for the people that are here and they enjoy the music that I play going towards them instead of someone saying, hey, I want you to play just this the whole night. Mm -hmm. This is only what you're getting for money. Don't take requests. To, do take requests. It's a little bit different when you're in the promotion side. It's actually really ugly. Like We could have a whole conversation about the back end of nightlife. Nightlife, what you see on the front end, like the DJs, the celebrities that come and all that stuff, is absolutely nothing to how it is in the back end. The stories is insane, man. I I, I, I used to be a... Um I lived in the clubs. I should have been a promoter. Like I, sh I should have. You should have actually. You I knew about everything that was going I sh on. I should have. I should have been a promoter. I, I was in the clubs all the time until I reached a certain age. But um, I have friends that promoted, and they would tell me stuff like that. You know, like it's the business side of it is is, is kind of tough. You know, when you, you start dealing with you got promoters, then they have sub promoters, and mm -hmm. then you get people trying to sabotage each other's nights and stuff like that. <clears> man. Like it's. Yeah, it it is it is it is an all you know. It's another side to it. But you you said something interesting, man, um, Jameson, um, about uh, the music, the music, mm -hmm. and 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 uh, I knew something was up with that. Like I would be in clubs, and I'm like, why is he playing this trash? And no one's really into it. And it's like, exactly. I know he sees this. It has to be more to it. There has to be more to it. But like you said, like promoters have their own agenda. Mm -hmm. That promoters that have their own agenda, and it's like you know what, this is the crowd I really that I that I really want in here. Yeah, there's twenty of them in here, or twenty of this type of group, but we're not playing to that. We're playing to this, and it's like mm -hmm. man, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, man. I've been in a club plenty of times. I'm like, this is garbage. Yeah, and it's crazy. So check this out. So we talked about what promoters and set promoters, right? Let's go a level above them. Let's talk about the managers and the owners. Mm -hmm. So you, when you think of it as a promoter, you're just basically renting the space to have your party. They just want you to pack the club. But the manager or owner could tell you, guess what? I don't want you to play genre A, B, and C. So now it, it definitely changes the music even more. So there's clubs in the city that I can't play a certain genre in. They don't allow it at all. There's other clubs that are, I can go across the street and it's the opposite. You know, it's actually really weird in the city. I, I, it's probably the only city I've really been in and partied in and I've seen it like that. I think I think they try to dictate the crowd, man. Like that's something that we noticed coming up. How I could tell who's gonna be in the club by the dress code. Oh yeah, if mm -hmm. it's a lenient dress code, like they gonna let you get in the forces. I'm gonna see some of the hood in there. 
Mm-hmm. If the dress code says no FUBU, Taylor Swift all night. No FUBU, right? No FUBU, there's going to be no Africans. That's all Africans are wearing today. FUBU in South Pole, right? An old 1985 Bears championship t-shirt. Those old, like, those old Patriots undefeated season t-shirts. Right. Never... But, but, but I, I used to, it started... We used to go to this thing called Bahama Beach Club, the I Palace. See. Yeah, that's where I grew up in. I you remember I, I was there. So you used I, to I go got, to the Under Twenty One. I was in there, BBC on a Saturday night, man. Yeah. Oh. So, so Under Twenty. You ever been there? I don't know if I ever been there. Under Twenty One Club, right? It's huge. It was this. It was the shit. You see, where was that at? Three were. It was at Saugus, like right off okay. Route One. Okay. Yep. Yep. Right there, and, and um, it's this thing called the Palace, which was the club part. It was, it was it was two like two two clubs in like one building. And it was the Palace, really more than that. But anyway, it was the Palace, and then it was the Bahama Beach Club, which was multiple rooms. It was under 21. So if you were 16, 15, you could hit the club. That's, I mean, that's just, uh, that's just ill. And that was when I first experienced it. it. I would see they had bouncers, and they would let in people who they wanted to let in. And it was like, nah, your pants too baggy. I was like, what? And you see a dude coming with some airwalks yep. and some big Shaolin pants. And chains around his, and he walked right in. Yep. And then it was like you, your pants. So all the people from Boston used to tuck us stuff yep. in, make our belt extra tight, and roll up, roll up a pit, try to look all it's Stephen Urkelish, yeah. just so we can get in because they were going to say, "Oh, you're too baggy." So getting a little older now. Now fast forward to when I'm really clubbing in Boston, I noticed that with the dress codes, the dress codes would be like just kind of, it's like really hard bottoms and 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 and. and, and no pants, and it's like the hell. Who dresses like that? And even back then, because we you know we all used to wear baggy stuff. Yeah. So it's just like, man. And I, I figured, and with the music, right? It's the music, definitely. That's that's how you can control the crowd out here. And you know, it's just, I definitely want to go into the dark, the deep dark side of this because it's you're having to deal with this at a young age. You know what I mean? Like most oh, yeah. people don't have to do. It's interesting when you're an employee. There's a lot of stuff you don't see about business ownership. It gets ugly, you know. But when you're running your own business, it could be anything from selling apples to being a DJ. You have to deal with all, all kinds of negotiations that life really can't prepare you for until you get there. But how did you, now you're doing all this in college? You have all these. It's pretty outstanding. How do you keep focused on school? How did you How did you get to Skyward professionally? Like, what kept you focused on the corporate side of things? Check this out. If you're doing nightclubs, let's say I did full time, I break my leg. I get a bill from a doctor, thousands of dollars. All that nightclub money is gone because you don't have the proper healthcare in play, which if you had a, a proper employer, you'd be set up. And you gotta think about how are you investing. If you're getting all cash, yeah, it's good as cash, but if you don't have a mentality to say, you know what, I need to put X amount away after every show so that A, I can buy new equipment, invest in myself, and put something away for a rainy day and build a, a legit savings. I think that's really kinda, where it was at for me to be like, all right, you know what? This is something that's my stress relief that I happen to make good money, but I know with my profession, I can make even more. So having both of those is like dual income. And I realized, guess what? If I had a rainy day and like, let's say I wanted to quit my job one day and I was like, you know what? I got a job, another job lined up and I need to take a couple of weeks off or a month or two. I could do that and be okay. And I just felt like the DJ thing, I couldn't depend on it full time, especially with the pay I'm noticing in Boston now from what DJs were making 10 years ago, 15 years ago. 
has dropped, you know, due to technology, skill, promoters, things becoming more expensive in the city, you know, I, I realized I'd rather have my focus and the majority of my income come from a legit job, you know, on the IT side of things that can take me in so many different directions where music, unless you really blow up and you're traveling, you're probably going to stay local for the most part. Now, the company you're working at now, the company we're working at now, mm -hmm. uh, of all the places you've worked at prior, is this your best favorite place? Is this one of the I would say more, most comfortable? That you know, because how many other places have you worked at? Damn, I've been working every year of my life since 14, so I'm, I'm 30 now. Let's talk about post college in the IT field. Yeah, was it a lot? In the IT, yeah. So I've been probably I'd say like five different places after grad. Um, this one, I would hands down say number one. Um, they put me in a position where I can grow and learn a lot, which is great, but also at the same time they care about their employees. So I worked mm. in a, a serious corporate side um, for an architecture design firm, and everybody in there was probably making six figures. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You can see it in their personalities and their swagger of how they carry themselves. You know, some people had some egos. And I felt like there weren't a lot of people who were down to earth like that. And for me, I'm just like, I'm running into rooms and I'm fixing people's problems that they caused themselves, but they're looking at me like I did it and I'm just the savior. Um, to be in some place like I am now where everyone's just humbled, uh, respectful, even if they are pulling down six figures, they don't, to them, it doesn't mean anything. It's all about character and personality and you know storytelling. So hands down, best job I've been in since I've worked in my life. I think that's because you guys got a keg in the break room, man. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> that's a stress relief right there. What's the hardest part about working? Because, I mean, it's a totally different lifestyle. What do you think is the toughest thing to get used to about corporate lifestyle or that you've never really gotten used to? Um, I think, for the most part, I think I got it down. I work, I come in early, I leave late a lot. So it's kind of like I got to balance it and just deal with it. Yeah, give me. That's good. Give us a, give us a typical day at work where you got to work, show, then go back to work the next day. So I would say if I'm doing a Thursday night event, I don't often do Thursdays. I've cut back a little bit on my Thursday nights. But if you asked me two years ago, it was every single Thursday I would be at Candy Bar in Boston. So I would go to work. Um, I think at the time I was working eight to five. I would come home, maybe eat dinner or do something around the house, clean, cook, whatever it is. Leave my house around 9 o'clock, 9.30, get to the club, perform till 2. Everyone's leaving at 2. Us DJs, we're normally there till 2.33 sometimes. Get home. I need an hour to decompress. I can never go home and just pass out because if you bob me ahead for four hours straight, it's tough to just sit there and pass out. It's like, so let's say 4 o'clock. Let's say 4 o'clock in the morning, I get four hours of sleep. That's an that's average Jeez. night if I have back-to-back -back work. So, like, for example, I, I was, last night I was at Hong Kong, so I went to work. You know, I left work at 5. Um, that place I started at 9 o'clock, which means I need to be there by 8.30. So I get home. I couldn't even take a nap. I'm preparing my music for the show. So, 2, get home somewhere around 3, pass out around 4, wake up this morning and do it all over again. So... Even on the weekends, you know, being involved, especially being in a relationship, you, you know, you can't sleep until 2. You no. Know, 10 o'clock, you're getting the elbow to the, the stomach, you know, get up, get up, get up. So, it's a balance. You get used to it after a while, but. 
How many nervous breakdowns have you had? Like, you ever just cry in the shower? Like, nah, nah. Actually, not. Nah, I never cried in the shower, but one day in college, man, there was this one day where it was like a DJ marathon for me. I don't even know how I signed myself up for this. I, I look at my boys and I blame them. But more of the story is I had to do a barbecue and an after party, and this is in college. So barbecue was foolish. It was from, like, uh, probably noon to about... Almost 8 o'clock. <laughs> 8 p.m., right? Noon 8 p.m. That's a full-time job right there. There's like a two-hour gap, maybe two-and-a-half-hour gap. The party started again at 10.30. That went till 6 in the morning. Oof. I remember doing this, and I'm at like the last two hours of this. And it's like 4 a.m., and I honestly couldn't do it no more. Like, I'm looking at my boy. I'm like, yo, I don't want to DJ anymore. Like, I honestly couldn't do it. It wasn't even tired. It was just mentally... It was so much music I went through that day. I was like at a breaking point. Like, yeah, I need to maybe take a little breather from this for a little bit. And even this year, I feel like, especially doing with design, world graphics, and clothing, you you doing that plus work and performing, your schedule's crazy. So I basically live by my calendar per se. You know, that's okay. the only way I, I plan. I actually plan all my weeks by my calendar. Um, and if I don't, it's kind of foolish because I'll miss something or someone's mad at me. Yeah. You know, do you have someone helping you, or I mean, is your your time, your organization, is that all done by you alone? Yeah, it's all me. I don't have a manager. At one point, in time I thought I needed a manager, but I realized until you really make it big, you don't need a manager. You just gotta manage your own time. Really? Yeah. You need the money to have a manager. Exactly. You gotta yeah. pay the ma- yeah because yeah, you pay. pay you pay a manager. Do they get cuts of? I know they must get a salary, but do they get cuts of being booked? Yeah. Percentages. Really? Yeah, they get it right off the top, man. Is the manager like, selling you? Or are they, what are they doing? Like, I don't know. They, honestly, for me, at the time, it was one point in time where I was looking for a man. I said, look, all you need to do is book me shows. Just tell me where to show up and where to play, what they want to hear. I'll give you X amount from the top. And I take home the rest. And that's all they need to do. And that, for me, would have been enough. But it just didn't work out. I felt like... After doing it for a little bit, I'm like, I, I can do this all myself. But most times they're kind of, they take care of the bookings. Um, when it comes to publicity, uh, no one's going to tell you a story better than yourself. So, you know, unless yeah. your manager knew you for years and kind of knew like the struggle of how you became the artist you are now, it's kind of tough on that end, you know. Do you see social media kind of taking that place? I absolutely have made my career off of social media. Really? I remember, honestly, honest on everything. I, the only reason I'm successful now is because of the social media work I put in in college. This is before they opened up Facebook to mm. like the general public. It was just it was only just college students. Yep. I was making a killing because I had college folks from different colleges getting invites about my party on campus, and it, you know it was kind of like the local Facebooks per se. It was just like, okay, this is where I need to go on Friday. And then when they opened up to the general public, I see all these other promoters coming out. I'm like. Who's this guy from Boston promoting something? I'm like, damn, this is competition now, you know? Um, and social media is, pop- is powerful if you know how to use it correctly, though. Yeah. Because you can spam at the same time. And yeah. once you get into that spamming like level, people will lose interest in what you're actually trying to sell. So yeah. for me, I'm, I'm very careful of how I portray myself and what hours I post, which is huge. There's a certain time frame, if you Google search, best times to post things. Yep. You can schedule your posts, you know, it's, Good tool for that, Sean. You do everything yourself. You one man show. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, every, everything's done myself. Like I, I'm not 
pulling in enough to really get a manager. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or with us um, in comedy, you you gotta have what we call heat. Once you get hot, that's when people people want you. Mm-hmm. That that's that's when you start getting managers and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Or if you're doing like you know, um, certain types of industry showcases and, like, you're a guy that could be the guy or something like that. You know, okay. You just got to be on the radar. That makes sense. You don't really seek out management or anything like that. Now, acting, I have an agent. Um, um, casting agents are different because they can have large rosters. They're just pumping out. They'll pump you. They'll submit you to as many different projects. Right. You know, that you could, that they see fit. You know what I'm saying? It's all, it's all gravy for them because they're getting the 10%. Yeah. Or the twenty percent. My girlfriend's my manager. She just tells me what to do, both personally and professionally. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel doing all of this, do you feel that there's a part of your life that just has to get neglected? Or is there a part of your life that you know you it, you're just not spending the amount of time you want to on it? Yeah, it, definitely. For me I'm like, damn, what do I do? This is what I love, but this is what I need for now. So I kind of go through it back and forth. Some days I'm more on the profession field. Sometimes I'm on my hobby side because uh, I do want to grow in both. Ultimately, that's you the only do. Way. You know, you gotta balance it. But it's 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 tough at times because you have, like I said before, the fast money that's coming in. You know, doing shows and it's cash, and then you have the actual business side. So if you elevate on the business side, your salary is gonna go up higher. But if you do more on the production side, that might take you on a tour somewhere as well. So it's kind of mm. a gamble on your side. Okay. I have this weird thing where I, I like to work at, I can do work while I'm at work. And I can do, do jobs really well. I hate to take work home. That's not my own. Like, that's my rule. If I had to do work, like, I took my laptop home to do an assignment. And I, like, damn near cried. I'm like, I don't want to be doing this on my free My free time is, like, my, my business time, right? It's the real get money time. Mm-hmm. So I try to save everything between 9 to 5. Cause, and it's, the, it's weird because I feel like I should be growing professionally. But I'm like... In the long run, should I be doing this? Like, you know, I know it's a fail safe, but will I be fulfilled? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then, probably not, probably. So it's this odd battle I have. Like, should I just not give a shit? Should I learn some more skills? Should I pass on some more resumes? It's weird. But it's good to see that you know that you want to do both. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the first battle. It's weird. Entrepreneurship will teach you. Being broke is different. When you don't, when you see people lose a lot of money and before you do anything that's not being employed, you're like, oh, no, they lost everything. When you start something, being broke is just something that's going to happen. Like, you're just like, I know at some point I'm not going to have any money, but I know what that's like. And I, that's the, what, the major thing that changed for me because I always thought of being broke as some crazy, awful thing. No, that's just a part of life, bro. Like, you're going to mm-hmm. have times where you got to eat milk, literally. <laughs> that's your meal. <laughs> and other than that, like, you just know it's a part of that cycle. So you gotta be willing to be ready for that, you know. Yeah. That's just that's just part of the game, you know. It's not this mystical dragon. I think the difference now is like the last time I was really like struggling money wise was college. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think being being broke now is a little different at this age versus versus because I was, you know, irresponsible and broke. <laughs> <laughs> like if I'm broke because I, but if everything's paid, then I, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Like it's, it's a little bit different. So, Jim, so what's your least favorite part about being a DJ? Oh, I'll tell you right now, it's easy. Weddings. I think this, <laughs> this is my. It's not wrong. It's, it's not wrong. There's good money in weddings, but for me as an artist now, I'm at the point where um, I like performing my craft. 
Not, when you're in a wedding, you're more so kind of like an iPod DJ per yeah. se. You're playing exactly what they want to hear, when they want to hear, and that's why they're paying you. I understand. I love it. I mean, majority of times I do it for friends, so it's all people I know. It's not like uh, clients I've never worked with before, but I think for me, this is going to be my last year doing it because it is a time consuming. And you have to meet with the party and do all this stuff. And to me, I kind of just like being kind of like a contractor, just coming for the day whether it's four hours at a club or whatever, and just do my thing of what I do instead of doing it for other people. Ah, okay. okay. You know, because it's more planned. They kind of they kind of stop you from being your artist and being their artist, um, which tends to happen. So what happens in weddings is that when you're playing at a bar or a club or whatever, you network off that event. When you do a wedding, people are going to assume that is your style. That is what you do. Let's book him for that more often. Where... Sometimes you get to tell them, like, this isn't necessarily my forte. I do X, Y, and Z as well. So, yeah, that's kind of, like, where I'm at. No more weddings after 2016. I retire from the wedding game. I pass it to all my boys. They can take the money. The wedding weddings are interesting, man. I feel like they're either, like, the best they're the best day of someone's life. Like, that bride. Is yeah, you can't mess up either. For, yeah, exactly. But for everyone else involved, like, if you're in the wedding party, that's not fun. No. If you're, like, <laughs> for people working it, they're not having fun. You get a bridezilla and it's game over. Yeah. You don't even know what's going to come out. Like, oh, the person's all nice. And you slowly see the Bradzilla come out, and you're like, damn, man, I should have thrown in more money in the quote. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you, know, you know, but whatever. That's cool. No more weddings. That's a, just strike that. Done. Done. All right. How long can you keep this double life up? So I'm, I'm going to try to keep it up for a while, but it's like a shot clock per se, because my dream as a DJ was to tour. Like my, mm. my big dream was to tour and go around the world and do shows, whether it was my own music I produced or touring with an MC per se or right. with a group. That was my dream. I mean, all the other accomplishments I fulfilled, like, you know, doing big events, festivals and and stuff I've done, but touring is the one thing that is left. And I know the minute I have kids, which I don't have any kids yet, when I have kids, that opportunity is going to be gone. Oh, no, they can stay their asses at home, dog. They, they could, actually. They, they, just, they might. They just, they, you know, mess around, they just might. Um, but I, I just know, like, things are getting a little bit dream, harder dude. with time. Right? You're having a kid. Oh, congrats, your dreams are over. All right. Yeah, I'm crazy, man. <laughs> That's pretty dope, man. It's I, I think it's really interesting. I remember uh, talking to Sean about what he wanted to do with comedy. And I feel like a lot of people in this space just do it to do it. And I think it's the money. I think they just like fast money and they continue to do it. And I, I think people just like being the local guy, right? That local yeah. DJ. Everybody knows me. I'm yeah. DJ someone so from Omaha, Nebraska. I'm yeah. run Omaha, Nebraska, you know? Yeah. And they don't want to grow. They don't. It's just <clears> weird. Chubby <throat> Trump! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll tell you right now, in this city, man, there's a lot of guys who they walk into buildings and you would have thought, you know, they was future or something like that. Some hip hop artists like Drake. And I always humble myself because guess what? You haven't made it until you can go somewhere else in any state and people know who you are. So if you can't even go to Connecticut and walk into a venue where someone knows your name, you gotta humble yourself in your local city. You're right. I never, even me as a, a DJ, I don't try to do the whole cut in line or not pay for free. Like, oh, you know, this is my promo, my work. I'll pay, I don't care, I'm, I'm still a patron. If it's, if, it's my, if it's not the night I'm working, I'm gonna pay. If the bouncer looks at me and says, hey, get over here, what the hell are you doing? Alright, then I'm gonna hop out of line. But otherwise, I'm I'm in line with everybody else. My boys actually that I go out with that night, they're like, yo, why are you doing this? Why don't you just cut the line and just that? I'm like, nah, trust me. You'll understand later on. It's gonna make more sense because 
you gotta realize when you make moves like that, people are watching you. Mm-hmm. Those people in the line that might be your friend or might know somebody, it's like, oh, this dude thinks he's an ish and he's gonna cut everybody just because he's a DJ. But at the same time, you wanna show him you're still human. I'm waiting in line just like you. I guess it must be a good night because it's packed. You're a good man. I used yeah. to cut that bitch. Yeah, I'm cutting that shit. Cutting it all off. <laughs> yeah, I'm kissing people. Yeah, it's one of those I get there early, though. So normally for me, I'm never really waiting because I know in my head, like, if I'm not going to be there early, mine's going to not go. So if I'm not working. But, you know, I, but I ain't going to lie. Who am I kidding? I had a couple of days. <laughs> exactly. I had a couple of days like. where, you know, I worked with a certain promoter and it was my off night and then they were trying to, I guess they increased the price and they were going to charge me. And I had to pull a flex move. I know we don't like to do it, but it was a flex time where I was like, hey, can you grab the manager, the building manager, not the promoter, the building manager? He came right in, looked at the girl at the register and was like, you're good. Yeah, you gotta do that sometimes. Once in a blue moon, once in a blue moon, but you can't do all the time. Um, I do comedy at Nick's Comedy Stop. I don't mm-hmm. know if you, uh, it's in Club Venue and Rumor. I don't know what Rumor's called now. Rumor's uh, changed. Icon. Icon, okay. Yep. So they do comedy shows every Friday, Saturday. And from doing shows, I got to know the people at the door. And I, and I got that walk in, I used to get that walk in privilege. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of lost it, but, but, uh, but I had it for a hot second. You're gonna get it back. Huh? You're gonna get it back. I'm um, right behind you. Like, I'm with this dude. You know what it is? I, I learned this late, but it dude, money, money, money is everything in the club. Mm. Money is mm-hmm. everything in the club. Like I used to I had to walk up privileges, but it was from relation like from that, you know what I mean? From business, basically. And um then you see other cats getting tables and stuff, and that's the move. The move is to buy tables. Yeah. You can social climb that way. And, and within the club really? industry. Oh, yeah, I, okay. Yeah. okay. I know someone that, that yeah. did it. My yeah. man broke it down to me. So my man moved to, um, moved to like LA, right? And he was by himself. He would go to clubs and couldn't get in. Like, you know, LA clubs on mm-hmm. hot nights. You can't. You've been, you've been known the one there? You, you You're not getting He would go there and say, yo, how much for a table? He's like, 300. How many you got? Just me. It's like, just you? He's like, why are you going to take by yourself? He's like, will it get me in the club? <laughs> right? Yeah. So he kept doing that. He was doing that. He would get a black car sometimes to drop him off at the spot. Yep. So I was like, who the hell is this dude? He would go to, and now he knows all these stars and stuff from VIP because they're going to VIP. And I, you know what right, I'm saying? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he, because everyone wants to know who, who is this guy? Who's this dude pulling up? He was just. So fake it till you make it. Yeah, basically. That's half Damn. the game, to be honest. Yeah. Damn. Okay, so do you have a corporate goal? Corporate goal? Oh, yeah, man. Right, my corporate goal, I'm not sure exactly what direction it is. It's probably going to be within information security. But, um, you know, something, something along the lines of that. But like I said, the balance and, you know, studying, taking classes in IT world certifications, add more stripes to your belt, and... That's really what it is in that world. It's not easy. It's going to take a while. Uh, that's good that you have a clock, and it's good you have a goal that you're working towards. I think that's, to me, that's, that's all of it. You know, whether or not you reach it, just knowing that there's more to it than just doing it. Like, there's that ultimate prize. So hopefully we see you on tour in some weird place. I hope so. Like Dubai or, mm-hmm. you know, Spokane, Washington. <laughs> 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 uh, Jameson, again, uh, I would like to thank you for coming. 
Thank you for having, having us, me. Man. Yeah, this Appreciate is, uh, it. This, is, this is a pleasure. What we want to know all the places where we can reach you, all your endeavors. We want to know all your side businesses. What do you got going on? What website do we go all to? All right. So all social media doesn't matter what platform it is. Is at DJ Nexus, which is N E X U S forty four. Um, you can also Google search that as well under DJ Nexus. Website's www.djnexusonline.com. I represent Next Level Lifestyle, which is my branding. Clothing is Yo Soy, part of the Europe Nation Tour, Super Plus Untouchable DJ's crew. You have a lot going on. I do. All right, so we go to the website. We can find where you're going to be yeah, at, where you've been shows, at. all my shows, days. It tells you my history, too, my bio, resume, my DJ resume. Where? You on Instagram? I'm on the gram. DJ Nexus 44. Gram's popping right now. Are you on Instagram? Yeah, Sean BG. I'm not on Instagram. I'm the only dude. You're wilding. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in handcuffs anyway, so I don't know. Like, I just, I don't have it. I'm not on Instagram. What about Vine? You guys got Vines? DJ nah. Nexus 44. I haven't been on it in like a couple of years. Vine's, Vine is played, man. Yeah, I think, I think it might be over. Well, check, it. check your DMs. Make sure you look for both these guys. Uh, Sean will be, Sean's got some stuff in the future. Jameson's got a ton of things going on. Be sure to check DJ Nexus out. And again, thank you for your time, Jameson. I wish you nothing but the best of luck in the future. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of the Moonlighters Club.